for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I, I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players, the flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. I'm Joe Arrigo. Your boy Q's with me, and we got a big show lined up for you today, folks. Raider Nation, we're going to be talking to you about the Raiders and the Vikings for this upcoming weekend. Will there be a Jalen Ramsey trade? Are the Raiders involved with it if there is? We're going to bring up A.B. very shortly because we'll have an interesting take and we have a bit of sound clip we want to play for you, as well as should the Raiders have actually played some games at San Boyd Stadium here in Las Vegas rather than staying in Oakland or even playing that game up in Winnipeg. We're talking about their hot start, but let's start the show off to you with the breaking news. We have two bits of breaking news. Let's first talk about the, the, the trade that happened today. The Raiders traded a six-round pick to the Green Bay Packers for wide receiver and kick returner Trevor Davis. Now, Trevor Davis is a speed burner. He's a 4-3 guy, about 6-2, uh, long, lanky. He's actually a really good returner. Um, from my understanding, and, and I, got, I know Trevor a little bit, the, the Bears and the Vikings, the Green Bay's first two opponents this year, really did a good job of keep kicking the ball away from him because they're very familiar with him. Now he's got a chance, hopefully with the Raiders, to really show and showcase his skills as a returner and a receiver. Well, the thing about it with Trevor Davis is that that tells me that Dwayne Harris is pretty banged up. You know what I mean? That, that, that's what the first thing tells me is that if they're going to trade for anybody, even if it's a six-round draft pick in 2020, that that means that Dwayne Harris, who John Gruden really, really loves as a return guy, as a punt return guy, as a gunner, that he is he's pretty banged up. And so, first of all, that's a concern. But on the flip side of it, everything that you just said about Trevor Davis is great. It's somebody that, uh, as I've done research on him, I've heard that Al Davis would have loved him because he's got speed, speed, and oh, by the way, he's got more speed. So that's something that the Raiders need to, to incorporate into their, their team anyway. Their offense needs it, and obviously the kick game is going to need it in a major way. They're going to have to get uh, things jump-started. Field position is always very important in the league, and so if, if Trevor Davis can help the Raiders establish really good field position, if he could do some things as a gunner as well, because that's somewhere uh, another area that Dwayne Harris is really, yeah. really good at, if he could do that as a gunner as well and, and then provide a little bit i don't know how much he's going to get out there as a wide receiver but i know that uh, in that preseason game in in uh, winnipeg that third preseason game he pretty much torched the raiders five catches for i think like 78 yards 80 yards and a touchdown uh and he did pretty well as a punt returner that day as well so again that's just a 
preseason game. You can't take uh you can't take it and say, oh, that's what he's going to be each and every night. But you know he has a little bit of juice in him at least. So uh, something to kind of be excited about. It's not the trade that Raider fans were looking for right now, but at least it's a trade that uh, shows that the Raiders are trying to do something, add a little juice to that to that squad, that special teams unit and the wide receiver unit. I must say this about Trevor. As far as a gunner, he actually is one of – Green Bay had two really good gunners with Trevor as well as um, – Brown, Tony Brown, a second-year player from Alabama. Trevor's a really good gunner. As far as a receiver, he's not going to be your number one, number two guy. No. I can see him as a four or a five, right. and which I think would be perfect this season for him. Um, I also think for the Raiders, it's a really good get because, quite frankly, Trevor was interested in going to the Raiders after this season as a free agent. Now, I got a chance to know Trevor – uh, a little bit, and, and we still stare at text and communicate with each other. So full disclosure, when I say this, this is coming from him in, this is back in January, where he said to me, you know, we talked about, hey, it's your free agent year. You know, you've been dinged up your last first couple of years in the NFL, hamstrings, ankles, things of that nature. You missed some time ago. You know, this is a big year for you. And he said, you know, you're right. You know, if I, and he said straight up that he goes, if I'm, if I'm not a – I'm not in Green Bay after this year. You know, the place I'd really like to go is Las Vegas. I'd really like to play with the Raiders. You know, I think that'd be a really good really good place for me, really good system fit. He's, he lives in Southern California. Um, he went to Cal Berkeley for a year. He actually went to Hawaii previous. Yeah. So he's a West Coast guy. Trevor's – and he's just a good dude. And quite honestly, I'm really rooting for him, not just because I know him, which is a, a – I'm looking forward now to heading to Oakland and heading to Green Bay for those those games I'm going to be covering and seeing him all over again. But also because I think this is a chance for him to really establish himself as a receiver, something he wasn't able to do in Green Bay. I mean, he was there. You had Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and then he kind of got lost in the shuffle. Uh, Geronimo Allison is another guy that, that, that is, starts for Green Bay that he couldn't surpass in the depth chart. Then they go and draft three receivers last year. And he kind of was just like down the depth chart a little bit. Had a great camp. He had a great offseason there. He looks great. I mean, I watched him work out. I watched him rehab um, off the hamstring that he had last year. And I tell you what, this guy is built like a brick house. Um, he's sneaky buff. And he's really, really looking forward to getting going and getting out there on the field. This was a season that he felt he could really, really establish himself as an NFL receiver, not just a return man or a gunner. And I really like this. Again, I really like this move for the Raiders. Is he the end-all, the be-all? No, he's not. Let's be honest. I mean, you're, you're a guy that was drafted in the fifth round. Um, you're a guy that, that has, been, has been injured with Green Bay, a team that's been notoriously injured the last few years, more so than almost anybody in the NFL. And you you just didn't you couldn't stay on the field and in the NFL really in, in sports in general the best ability is availability. Trevor Davis is a guy that now if available, which he's 100% healthy, I think he's going to make an impact on special teams and as a gunner this week, and then we'll start seeing integrated in the offense going forward. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing about it. I mean, Dwayne Harris was not a big-time wide receiver at all. He was a guy, like you mentioned earlier, a fourth or a fifth option as far as a wide receiver goes. I mean, he got into game number one against the Denver Broncos. He got in and got, I think, one catch. And so far, Trevor has, what, one catch on the season for, I think, 28 yards. So, yeah, he's not going to be a guy that the Raiders are going to rely on at the wide receiver position right away. But if he does show a little something in practice, if he shows that he has a little juice and, and has that desire and hunger to go out there and play, then, yeah, 
maybe he, he can establish himself as more than, you know, just a, a return guy, more than just a gunner, more than just a, a kick return guy. I mean, just he could end up being a, a real deal player and he's still young enough. Uh, again, you mentioned the injuries. He was out most of uh, 2018 with the hamstring, went on IR. So, I mean, uh, again, it's, it's one of those those things that, like you mentioned, uh, the best ability is availability. I say that all the time. Uh, right now, he looks like he's healthy. He looks like he's got those quicks about him. And uh, if he can help the Raiders, like I said, give a little bit of juice, at least to that special teams unit, that's a win for him and the Raiders. Absolutely. And another bit of breaking news that we have, and it's about here in Las Vegas, at the Death Star, better known as the Legion Stadium, the Raiders and Coca-Cola have entered into an agreement making Coca-Cola the beverage provider for Legion Stadium. So if you're a UNLV football fan, you're a part of Raider Nation, and you're going to the, the, the Death Stars, most of us call it in Vegas, or you're going to the Big Al or Al's Place or Allegiant Stadium, whatever you want to call it, Coca-Cola will be your drinks. So you get Coke, you get Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Dr. Pepper, I believe, because I think they're, they're not with anybody else in, right now, Sprite, Cherry Coke. You have a bunch of Coke products that will be there, Dasani Water, so... That, that, I think that's kind of a good that's, – that's kind of big news. I mean, now you're starting to see everything come into place. Yeah, that's the big deal is the fact that they're getting more partnerships and more partnerships and more partnerships, and they're starting to roll in. And, again, the more that they roll in, the more that uh, the Raiders are really just establishing themselves. And, again, like you mentioned, UNLV is going to be playing there as well. But uh, I just like it, man. I like the more partnerships that the Raiders are having with this stadium, with this uh, relationship in Vegas, the better. So, yeah, that, that's a pretty exciting thing. I think that Powerade is a Coke product as well, right? Yeah, they are. And actually, um, UNLV, that's who, they're, that's who they already use for all their sports drinks. So, okay. you know, I'm at almost every practice, and I'm you know, obviously affiliated by covering the team, and, and there's a ton of Powerade products everywhere. Um, did you also see what Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, the RJ, as we call it out here, um, what he tweeted out the other day, him and Rick Pallotta, that the stadium will now be officially over $2 billion or at $2 billion yeah. uh, because of the as much money as they made. They really did a really good job of selling out and selling all the suites and the luxury boxes and things like that. They did such a good job that they're putting more into the stadium now. And, you know, there's different anonymities. I think we talked on what I was told a few months ago. Um, we talked about it in the past where, you know, I was told that there's going to be a pool in one of the end zones, kind of like a day pool, like a club almost. Um, that's what I was told by somebody that's pretty high up and that knows what's going on at the stadium a few months ago. Um, I don't know if it's changed, but that's what I was told then. So I see now with them adding these new anonymities to the stadium and driving by the stadium. I mean, could be honest with you, Q, Jaleesa was out here with Carrington um, last week. She flew down from Fresno, and we drove by the stadium multiple times, and we were down that way. and. And from the time she left Vegas, when they just broke ground on the stadium to where it is now, she was amazed by it. Um, and even me, like, just being at the stadium, every day I go by, every day I see it, it's something new. It's getting bigger. You, you, could, you could really see um, just the amount of, of effort, and you can really see the amount of progress that's made every single day. It, it's really a glorious sight. I believe it. Just seeing the pictures, and, and I follow Mick Akers on Twitter, and I, I always check out all the little tweets that he's sending out. Uh, I've talked to him a few times just about what was going on just because he's kind of all over it. But that one picture when you're talking about the, the project's budget going to $2 billion, that upgraded furniture and fixtures and equipment and everything that they've pretty much upgraded or, or, or making upgrades to that stadium, uh, those do look pretty awesome. I mean, they look really 
really, really cool. Something that you just don't expect to see in a stadium, but uh, the Raiders Stadium, uh, Legion Stadium, whatever you want to call it, Big Al, it's going to be pretty awesome. So, yeah, that, that's that's cool, man. And I'm excited about that stadium because the Raiders really deserve it. We saw that, uh, that last uh, dirt game the other day against the Chiefs on Sunday. And, and, I mean, good riddance. I've been there for many, many years. I love that stadium. I love the Coliseum. Obviously, love the city of Oakland. But, man, it's about time that the Raiders are going to get a real deal stadium. So, very excited about what the future holds for the Raiders, what they're going to have when they get to Vegas in that nice, awesome stadium. It's going to be it's gonna be something, man. It's really going to be special. Now, the picture that Mick had on there, it showed, like, like almost TVs on the floor. That's called the Luge suite or the lose boxes okay and what it is and you can and, and what it is and I, I went to the uh the preview center and they told me about this and i'm i walked inside the owner suite and the owner suite is phenomenal i mean it's badass seeing the seeing the, the luxury boxes and they're badass but i was most impressed with the luge because you get these seats they're almost like recliners and underneath your feet you have two tvs one has the sunday ticket and the other has the nfl red zone and you can walk, you can have your fantasy team up there and get all your you know fantasy updates because you know your PSLs are your seats. And you can watch. Let's say if you wanted to, if you're watching the game, the Raider game, and let's say you wanted to watch um, the Dolphin game. Okay, so you got the Dolphin Cowboy game on in front of you, as well as watching the Raider Viking game in front of you. So in in person, I think that's really cool. I was told San Francisco has that. I'm not quite sure though, um, but for me. Everything they're doing with the stadium has been first class. And in mm-hmm. fact, what I'll do is I'm going to reach out to Mick and try to get him on next week with us. Um, you, Mick's really good about that. He's out there in uh, in the swamplands or in the, the desert of Las Vegas covering the storm area 51 that's going on this weekend. So um, I'm not going to bother him until this that's, that crap is over. But uh, you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. You mentioned the final dirt game at at the Oakland Alameda County Stadium. That's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Um, man, look, I, I may not be – I may be the only person that feels this way. I'm not mad at the Raiders in that game. They had three quarters of great football, and they had one really bad quarter where inconsistency, young guys – um, and guys that quite honestly, um, guys that quite honestly are, are young, were in and, and they made some some mistakes in the back end of the in the secondary in the back end of the secondary. But overall, you know, they shut the Chiefs out in the second half. You seen you seen this team. You seen Josh Jacobs. You know, twelve carries, ninety nine yards. You know, he got one of my game balls for. Uh, for what, what I wrote for uh, Franchise Sports Media on their side, I do game balls for the Raiders on Tuesdays. And I, he's one of the guys, he's one of two players to get game balls. I didn't give a third player a game ball, I only gave him two this week. And he was one of them. The other one was Darren Waller. I mean, they have really, really good games. And this Raider team has, I think, to me, being that they're one and one and what they did to Denver, I mean, they beat the brakes off of Denver. They dominated Denver from first quarter to fourth quarter. What they did against Kansas City, what I've seen in two games, I'm really impressed with the job John Gruden, Paul Gunther, uh, and what Mike Mayock has done with this team in less than a year since putting this team together. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy with the roster. I'm happy with the, the team. Uh, I'm not one of the fans that are, are freaking out and the sky is falling because they got the, the dog beat out of them in the second quarter by the Kansas City Chiefs, who's a, a dark horse. Not even a dark horse. They're a favorite, actually, to go to the Super Bowl this year. You know, they're one of those teams that you, you just kind of expect to be there. So uh, not, not surprised by the outcome of it. Uh, I think that once it started to kind of roll downhill, it snowballed so quickly that the Raiders couldn't catch their breath. They couldn't stop it. They just it just kind of was like, oh my god, what's happening right now? And then boom, 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 boom. Patrick Mahomes just got in that Madden mode and just went off. And so yeah, uh, they gave up 28 points in the second quarter. Uh, there was a lot of miscommunication on the on the defense, as far as I was concerned, especially on that back end. They just they didn't know who they were guarding. They didn't know if they were in zone, if they were in man. I, I just think, like I said, they started panicking. They hit the panic button, and, and then Patrick Mahomes took care of them in the second half. Uh, I know that they didn't score any points. I think that the Chiefs really kind of changed the game, changed their style of. of playing i don't think that they were really going all the way hard in the paint trying to trying to run up the score i think they realized that it was pretty much over uh the concerning part was only scoring 10 points they scored on the first two drives and uh i, I just i said when they kicked the field goal that you're not gonna win games against the chiefs by kicking field goals i thought the biggest mistake john gruden made was on that first drive allowing the the raiders to kick a field goal and go up three zero you had fourth and one. I'm saying you tell the Kansas City Chiefs that, hey, we're at home. We're here to play. We're going for it on fourth and one. I'm going up the gut. I don't care if everybody in the stadium knows we're going to run this rock. I'm about to pick up this first down. I thought that that was a mistake. I also thought it was a mistake when Derek Carr sold out to really, really trick up, pick up a first down and came up a yard short. I think even though it was on the wrong side of the field for the Raiders, I think it's another fourth and one that you go for. Just because Derek yeah. Carr did everything that he did, you show that respect to D.C. and say, you know what? I appreciate that effort. I got your back. I believe in you. Go get that extra yard and keep that drive alive. I think those are the two biggest mistakes that the Raiders made on Sunday. Man, I, I will get to the, the email questions in a little bit. There's a couple of there's a, I know at least one Derek Carr question, but you know, I'm going to be very blunt in what I say. And you, Raider Nation, you may agree with me. You may not agree with me. But you guys have no idea, some of you, how good Derek Carr really is. Like, he is not a, 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 a half-assed, piece-of-crap quarterback. This guy is a, a, a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. I think this guy is a franchise-caliber quarterback. Is it frustrating that he checks down a lot? Yes, but you know what? He's still growing into an offense, and he's taking shots down the field. He's taking some shots down the field. Yeah, he had the one completion for, what, 23 yards last week. But look at game one. Those, you know, Terrell Williams, Tyrell Williams, mm -hmm. a couple times down there. He's taking shots down the field. So, I, I, you know, and, and I think people are always looking to do one of two things, one of three things now, if you're a lot of Raider fans. Blame everybody for Khalil Mack not being there. Blame Derek Carr for everything. Or, and now, you know, screw A-B, no matter what. Those are the three things we're probably going to hear for the next 10 years. At least until Khalil matches out the NFL, Carr wins the Super Bowl and shuts people up. And that still may not be enough because there's quarterbacks that won Super Bowls right now that still catch heat. And then A-B, until whatever happens with A-B, happens with A-B. We'll get into him a little bit later. But I'm really tired of the Derek Carr slander. I mean, it, it, it's old, it's tired. I, I don't get it. The guy goes out there, plays with a broken back in the, last season. The guy comes out this year, he's slinging the rock everywhere, and he's doing a really good job in the first two weeks. Yeah, he made a mistake at the goal line. He shouldn't have checked out the run play. But, you know, if, if, he's, if he throws a touchdown pass there, they're going to say, oh, great job, wait for him to recognize it. If he doesn't check out of it and they run the ball, stop him, why didn't he check out of it? He's damned if he do, damned if he does. And at this point, Damn the fans that don't like you. Go up there and play your style of ball because at the end of the day, Carr, 
your it's your job. It's your livelihood. You're the one that knows what plays are called. You're the one that's in the players' meetings. You're the one talking to Gruden, talking to Olsen. You know what's going on. The general public has no damn clue what's going on. So I, I, I'm kind of, I'm really sick and tired of the Derek Carr slander. You know, I think that's going to be there uh, for a while just because, like you mentioned, he's pretty much going to have to win a Super Bowl to get rid of it because there's a fan base. There's half the fan base that loves him, half the fan base that doesn't like him. You know, they just don't know, you know, because everybody wants the other guy. You know, people see what Patrick Mahomes is doing and everybody wants a Patrick Mahomes. People are seeing what, you know, even Dak Prescott's doing in Dallas. Now all of a sudden they want Dak. You know, people are seeing this guy, Kyler Murray. He's running around. He's making plays. Okay, now you want a Kyler Murray. It's always, you always want what you don't have. You know what I'm saying? And then when you get it, you usually don't want that either so uh I, I think Derek Carr is fine I think he's doing a good job he's definitely a franchise quarterback in my mind uh that interception that he threw when he was trying to get it to Tyrell Williams I think Tyrell Williams uh should have made a bigger effort to try to even catch the ball uh he got punked at the line of scrimmage by the defensive back and there's no reason that that should ever happen when you're a bigger dude than him you gotta man up and, and, and be stronger than that uh, maybe the pass wasn't 100% perfect, but you got to go out there and fight for the ball. Uh, he says he missed the, the signal. He didn't know that it was coming to him, but if he read the defense like Carr read the defense, he would have saw the free safety was coming. He was coming in, and so it was one-on-one -on -one coverage. So a number one wide receiver would say, okay, he's about to throw me a, uh, throw me a lob. Give me a jump ball and give me an opportunity to go make a play. I, I just think that he, he wasn't he wasn't uh, locked in. He wasn't. Uh, his mind wasn't in the game where it should have been. When you're at the goal line, the red zone, you've got to be locked in on, on what you're supposed to be doing and uh, what you could possibly be doing. So I think he wasn't aware of what was going on. Uh, like I said, Derek Carr could have probably thrown a better pass, but whatever. And uh, I, I just think I think he's doing a, a good job. He understands Gruden's offense. You see, he's checking out of a lot of plays. Uh, you know, he's getting a couple plays called in the huddle, and then he's checking out of one of them at the line of scrimmage, meaning John Gruden really trusts him. So I think that J Derek Carr will be fine moving forward. Uh, that was one rough game uh, for a lot of different reasons. Offensively, it, it wasn't going great. Defensively, it wasn't going great. Uh, just a lot of things happened bad in that game on Sunday. But DC, he'll be fine moving forward. If I ask you, right, if I say, Q, we're sitting there throwing back a couple of Corona premieres, uh, and I say, hey, you know, Q, you know, the Raiders after two weeks are going to be one and one. What would you say? If I would have told you this in April. If you told me that in April, I would have said, first of all, why the hell are we drinking Corona premieres? What do I look like? I, if you're going to give me a Corona, give me an extra. You know what I'm saying? I'm an, oh, no. I'm an extra I'm a, guy. I'm on that premiere. Oh, man. I ain't, like, I ain't trying to diet. I ain't got no diet in my system, man. I ain't, I'm good, man. It's Corona for me. Give me an extra. Give me a Dos Equis draft. Give me something. I don't want no damn premiere. But if you told me that the Raiders were going to be 1-1 one one after two games, I probably would have said, yeah, that makes sense. You beat Denver, and then you lose to Kansas City. When I saw the schedule, I said that the Raiders were going to get swept by Kansas City this season. I said that they weren't ready, and that's before I saw them draft. I, that's before I saw the guys that they brought in in, in the free agency. That's before I saw the roster. I just thought there's no way that you're going to beat Kansas City this year. You're just not ready. And then I uh, I started drinking some of the Kool-Aid because of what I saw on Monday night. I started, you know, uh, getting a little getting a little big-chested, thinking, oh, okay, you know what? This, this team is a little farther along than I thought and realized that there's an opportunity for the Raiders to beat Kansas City, but it's going to be tough. And, uh, you know, so I was disappointed as a fan. But I, at the same time, I realized that this is a team that has a chance to go to the Super Bowl that just one year ago – was uh, offsides away. Actually, just a few, few months ago, was offsides away from being in the Super Bowl, and you just lost to them. So yep. uh, it's not really a, a big deal. Uh, all you got to do is get back on that horse, and I know that the schedule is going to be challenging, but you get back on that horse, you ride it again, and you go get some Ws. But, yeah, man, you're one and one, and what's more importantly, you're second. You're tied for second in the AFC West. Now, if you had told me that, I would have been like, okay, it's all good. 
Well, look at look at the AFC West, though. If we really look at it, the Chargers are in a heap of trouble. I mean, Derwin James won't be back to week eight. His replacement's out. Melvin Gordon's not signing a contract with them anytime soon, if ever, if they can't deal him. They're, they, I think besides Keenan Allen, they, they're not great at receiver. Uh, Hunter, was it Hunter Henry, the, the tight end? Yep, he's, he's out again. again. Yep. I mean, their, their left tackle, Okun, is, is doing with a life-threatening blood clot. Yep. So, I mean, when you, when you look at that team, they're in a heap of trouble. And to me, Denver is just trash. Like, I've said that before this season. I've said that during the draft. I've repeated that. I'm not a big believer in John Elway as a GM. I'm not a believer. I think Fangio was not the right hire. He's a great defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he was the right hire in Denver. He probably should have been somewhere else. But I'm not sold on him as a head coach. Denver's a, a hot heap of trash right now. That puts the Raiders in a position to, to really compete for second in that division. That yep. puts them in a position to compete. And to give up only 28 points to the Chiefs. I mean, that they gave up 28. Chiefs put, what, 35, 40-something on Jacksonville? Yep, 40. I mean, they... 40. They put a 40-burger on it. The Raiders get 28 points, and that's without John Abram. Jonathan Abram is at home recuperating from rotator cuff surgery. I mean, that says a lot about this team, the guys that they have. Now, albeit the Raiders have been and gotten dinged up a bit from that game. I mean, Trent Brown, um, you talked about the Wayne Harris. Obviously, Abram's out. Uh, Montez Burfitt. I mean, you got some guys that are dinged up. But at the end of the day, this is football, and it's next man up. And, and I, think, I think a lot of those guys will be playing on Sunday. I know I'm pretty sure Burfitt will. I'm pretty sure Trent Brown will. Uh, I don't, I'm not as, like you, I'm not as optimistic uh, Harris is going to play this weekend. Uh, I think that's why Trevor, Trevor, uh, Trevor Davis was traded for. At the end of the day, and, and I've watched the Vikings closely, um, they have a lot of problems themselves in the passing game. If the Raiders can stop the run, they can and really force Kirk Cousins to beat them. But we'll get into the Raiders Vikings preview just a little bit later in the show. I think they got a good chance to win this game and be two and one, you know, you know, as they enter out on this road trip that this this world tour, so to speak, um, literally and figuratively. So one and one right now, I think it's great. Don't press the panic button, folks. I mean, Raiders were a four win team last year. <laughs> If they get to seven, if they get to seven or eight wins this year, that's a huge jump, and that's a jump in the right direction. Oh and yeah, I think culturally, they 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 they've, they've made a huge change and drastic change in there as well. Right, exactly, and that's the thing about it, man. That's the one encouraging thing I saw from the game on Sunday is that even though the defense got torched for twenty eight points in the second quarter, they never quit. They never quit and let their head down and just say, you know what, F this game, uh, you know, we'll come back next week in, in Minnesota and try to do it all over again. They kept fighting. They kept competing. Benson Mayoa comes up with a sack, and he he causes a fumble. Uh, you know, it was picked up by the Raiders. I mean, there's they keep competing, even though it, it was obvious that they weren't going to win that game. They kept giving themselves a chance, trying to give themselves a chance, trying to get the offense back the ball. They kept working, working, working. So you got to respect them for that because teams in the past, even teams of, of last year, you would see guys just kind of check out 
they would check out once they knew it was a done deal including a guy who's no longer there in amari cooper he checked out multiple times that's why john gruden traded him i mean now he's not checking out in dallas he checked out before the season began right exactly he's not checking out now now that he's in dallas but he checked out on, on the raiders the raiders didn't have nobody that was checking out they had guys that were getting banged up josh jacobs went to the the locker room and got an iv because he was uh he was cramping up he uh he had a little bit of a groin injury and he still got back out there and played and you know uh Tyrell Williams had a hip injury. He went and got a shot and got back out there. Uh, you've seen what Max Crosby's done before. You know, he breaks his hand and he goes out there, puts a club on it, and gets back in the game. And now, hell, that was in preseason. You know what I mean? Like These guys, they have a, a better mentality in their mind where it don't matter what's going on. It don't matter what the scoreboard looks like. As long as there's time on the clock, I'm going to keep playing. That's the only kind of mentality that you want to have in a football team. And so I can appreciate that. And that's definitely a positive takeaway I had coming out of Sunday's game. Well, speaking of time on the clock, we got to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to you guys a little bit about Antonio Brown. Um, I got some sound, and in, in, in Q and I are going to react to the sound of uh, someone's take about Antonio Brown. We'll talk about potential Jalen Ramsey trade and what, what's being uh, what's being battered out there, what I have heard, and I'm going to break that on here as well. And uh, we'll go ahead and, and talk to you. Look, do the Raiders have played and moved to Las Vegas a year early this year and play at Sandboy? Something else being talked about on in, in Vegas Twitter, and I'm going to talk to you guys about that. That and more on Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Rigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Rigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered to you by SB Nation. Uh, Q, so... We all know about the Antonio Brown situation, okay? Um, I don't want to get into it because, quite frankly, it's old, it's tired, it's draining, and he's not on the team. So, really, who gives a shit? Let's just be honest. Um, But I do a show on uh, FranchiseSportsMedia.com. It's a a new sports media platform here in Las Vegas that uh, I'm the president of with TQ, and we have a bunch of other people that's involved with it. And we do a show called The Franchise Podcast, and it's aired um, on Franchise Sports Media's video as well as a podcast. And we recorded Saturday, but I didn't, like, we had a problem with the, the audio, so we did have, or the video, so we just had the audio, and I really didn't want to just put that out there without the video, so I just I just kind of kept the, the podcast itself. And um, we're t- Squeeze and I were talking about Antonio Brown, and... He he likened the situation. He can, he's not condoning what Antonio Brown did to get out of Oakland because he thought it was a move that a mark would make. He, he didn't think it was a manly move. And I'm trying not to say a certain word, so you guys can insert the word. Raider Nation, you know, you know what I'm getting at. Two but, shorts, uh, favorite word. He said, "Yes, exactly." <laughs> there we go for the town. So um, let's go ahead and play what. TQ was talking to me about uh, and how it how from the entertainment side it correlated a little bit with what Antonio Brown is actually uh, what what he did to get out of Oakland. Okay, so for those who don't know, TQ singer, songwriter, actor, but uh, back in ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight, song called West Side came out. It was his song. He sang it off the, the Never Saw Me Coming album. Still a classic album, by the way. Thanks. Um, and everybody knew that song. Everybody knew the record. There's a Bye Bye Baby, a bunch of other songs on the, on the album. Um, 
And this is before he signed with Cash Money Records. So in between there, there also was a situation where you wanted to leave your label. You you were like, I'm done here. Like I I'm I couldn't be free. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. and they the second coming never came out in America. It only came out in Japan, right? In Europe. It came out in Europe and Asia, yeah. So so that pissed you off. I know we were pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. Um so what did you do to Sony at the time when you went in there? Oh, I did all kinds of stuff. Well basically, uh Baby and Slim from Cash Money had been trying to get me off the label and Sony wasn't hearing it. They was like, "No, nah, we make money off TP. We're not, we're not letting you guys have them." So, you, if, if was it gonna, just you singing or writing as well? It was both. I was signing Sony for both. Okay, but um, I believed through talking with Baby and Slim that Cash Money really knew what it was that was needed. They was talking the same thing that Sony was talking when I first signed it. So what happened was when I signed to Sony, there was one regime who believed in everything that I was doing. They ended up getting fired, and a new regime came in, and they wanted to change everything. All right, so I'm looking at Antonio Brown and his situation. I'm looking over at Cash Money, and they're doing everything that I want to do. The only thing that they're missing is a voice. All they're missing is the melody, right? right? Which I could provide. So if I'm, if I'm Antonio Brown, I'm looking at the Steelers, and they undervaluing me, my credit, my my. My quarterback is acting like he's all world without me, which he's not. Right? We've seen that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm feeling a certain way about it, and I, I've decided that I'm ready to go. I see these guys over here. They balling. They winning championships. They doing it. What is it that can make them better? They need a deep threat. That's the one thing they don't have. They don't have nobody that can burn, right? So I feel like I can burn. I can get on the mic. I can give some melody to all of that, you know, to, to what they got going. It looks like a good marriage. Right. right, so I gotta force my way out because in my situation, the Steelers didn't want to let me go. So for AB, the Raiders didn't want to let him go. He didn't make the choice to go to the Raiders. He was traded to the Raiders. So that's different. That goes back to that freedom thing. He feels like he didn't have the freedom to make the choice of where he wants to play, where he wants to, you know, um, to work. So, so. A person in, in corporate America or in, in outside of professional sports, you have a certain set of skills, you have a certain set of qualifications. You should be able to pick the building that you want to walk into and present your resume. Okay, now, and I agree with you, but let me ask you this. He signed contracts. The yes. Raiders paid him handsomely. Absolutely. He was okay with it. Steelers paid him handsomely. Did the same thing for me. Okay, <laughs> but now because you're not happy there and you're still yeah. under contract. Right. You, what are you going to do? You're not you happy. You feel like you're going to just bounce. Like, like I could just bounce. But yet you want them to honor the contract when you're not playing well and they're still paying you handsomely. All right, so let's be real. What is your alternative? Do you stay there and be unhappy? No, what he does is he has, he's there two years. After this year, that's when you force yourself out. But that's maybe, when you. Maybe that, he gets hurt this year. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he puts up you 1,900 want, yards. You want him to have a certain space in his brain for them. They do not have for him. See, I don't believe that. I believe that, and I know this for a fact, Mark Davis, John Gruden did everything they could to appease him, oh, to make him did. happy. Absolutely did. So what more could they have done besides suck him off to make him happy? Q, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw to you first, bro. Like, What do you think about what, what PQ said about getting out of this, trying to get out of this deal with Sony and, and the methods that he used to get out of it? 
to get over to Cash Money Records and how that relates to Antonio Brown. Well, I, it's funny, man. I was listening to it and I was totally following it. I was all I was going all along with it. I, I was like on board and I got it. But I felt like what he was talking about and what he was really, you know, when he was talking about his situation and what he was trying to get out of, I felt like that was more Antonio Brown when he was in Pittsburgh, not really when Antonio Brown when he was in Oakland. So that was my only disagreement with what he had to say. Like, I totally got what he meant, and I feel where he's coming from. Like, I totally get that. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, and we may never know the truth, maybe Antonio Brown's a hell of an actor, but when he ended up in Oakland by way of the trade, which TQ pointed out that, well, he didn't go there as a free agent. He went there because he was traded. But he signed off on trading going to Oakland. He didn't sign off on going to Buffalo. He signed off on going to Oakland, and he made everyone believe and everyone think that he wanted to be there 100%, and he was so excited. He was so fired up, and he loved him some Derek Carr. I mean, everything. He he went back to the Pro Bowl when they were playing together in the Pro Bowl. So I, I, I likened exactly what TQ was talking about to more of Antonio Brown's time in Pittsburgh and not and less, a lot less than his time in Oakland. I think somewhere in between the time that the Raiders uh, got him the time that he was late to show up to his own uh, introductory press conference, which already was a red flag for me. I was like, okay, hold on, man. This isn't going to get over. This ain't going to go over very well when he's already late. Uh, but in, in between that and when he actually was released by the Raiders, something, some, somewhere the disconnect happened between him and Mike Mayock. And obviously there were some things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about meetings, you know, doing stuff off the side of the field by himself, helmet issue, feet issue, all that other stuff. I know there was a lot more going on behind the scenes that, that we even know about, but I genuinely believe, and I, maybe I'm the fool. I genuinely believe he wanted to be in Oakland for a little while. I think that at some point he realized what I'm trying to do and what I want to do is not going to work. They're not going to allow me to just have a, a free reign and do whatever the hell I want to do. So I want to get out and I want to go somewhere else. And that's when him and his agent started working together behind the scenes and basically came up with, with the whole new England thing. And I know new England wanted to trade for him to begin with. Obviously uh, that's a hell of a team. They got six rings. So why wouldn't a, a player like Antonio Brown want to go play there? Except for the fact, like how much are they going to put up with? That's my only question. But um, I, I could appreciate where TQ was coming from with his story. Uh, I, I totally understand where he's coming from, but I just felt like it was more had to do with Pittsburgh than it really had to do with Oakland. If you compare the two stories, but that's just me. I only, I only sent the four minute clip over. We, we, prior to it, we talked about some things and a little bit after it as well. Um, but I didn't want to bog down you or the listeners. I just, I like what you show. said. I like what you said right there at the end of the clip where you're like, well, what else did the Raiders have to do? Suck them off. I mean, you know, it's like, it's well, like, yeah. they, cause they did everything else to appease the guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and I can tell, I'll tell Raider nation what I know. This is a, I guess a Joe, a good Joe knows moment, I guess. I don't know. Um, I was told by people that everything was cool up until he got, 100% notification from the NFL about the helmet. Now, John Gruden supported him, uh, and the team did up until, you know, he lost that first appeal. And then when he dipped out, that didn't sit well with Mike Mayock. And even leading up to it, Mayock didn't understand and was really pushing Brown to just choose a different helmet. It's not about looks. It's about your own safety. As a guy that played in the NFL, I know what you go through. It's about your safety. 
and long-term health. Mayock actually had his best interest in mind. Furthermore, Mayock, for the first time in Antonio Brown's career, held him accountable for his actions. And Brown didn't like that. So that was the crux of everything. And to, to Gruden's credit, he did everything the right way. You know, okay, Mike, you're back up. I play good cop. I need him. I need him because he gives me the best chance to win this year and next year when he's here. I get the best receiver I had arguably in my career. I get Jerry, in the, Jerry Rice on the tail end of his career, Tim Brown at the back end of his prime to, to the latter part of his career. I get yeah, – I had to deal with Keyshawn Johnson and, and God hurts me to say it, but his overrated ass. I have the most talented receiver arguably in the NFL. I'm going to make sure I, I take care of him. And, but he still held him accountable, and Brown didn't like it. And what I believe, and I never was told this, what I believe is you're right. I think there was some behind-the-scenes shenanigans that took place that said, if you come here, we'll take care of you, blah, 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 blah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and to your point, and I said this in that, in that show as well, with TQ, I said, bro, like, he didn't choose the Raiders, but they sent him to the team that he would sign a long-term deal with, and yep. he had no problem signing for $30 million guaranteed. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's not like – and, so, and then he's like, as he said in the clip, well, what, what if – you know, he didn't want to be there, and, you know, what if he got hurt? He's still cashing that check. Like, no matter what, he's still getting that $30 million. So, you, where I disagree with him, and this is just, you know, a, 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 I don't know, maybe it's philosophy or whatever, but when you sign that contract with the team, if you outperform that contract, yes, go get a raise. Go hold out and get your money. Melvin Gordon, get your money. Zeke, get your money. In fact, if I was Dak Prescott, I would hold out and I would go get that money. But – he didn't outperform any contract with the Raiders. The Raiders paid him off past performance with another organization. So you don't got a right to bitch and moan. You don't got a right to complain. Right. You got a right to get your ass in the camp for a team that supported you and bust your ass for these teammates. Now, I was told by Raiders players that I know that he was the guy that, as you said, when the team got together and huddled up for water breaks, he would go hang out with his people. Uh, he was very aloof and kind of a loner for the most part. Um, in the locker room itself, he was well-liked. But when it came to everything else, he kind of just did his own thing, had his own workout. You know, when they stretched, he kind of did his own stretching. So it rubbed certain players the wrong way. And even the captains, and I think that they, they were 100% correct, uh, 100% correct in saying that, you know, they're relieved that he's gone. Somebody told me that one of the captains said that they're – they, they were relieved that he was gone, right. that it was a relief that they can focus on football now and not a distraction, which is what he became. The bottom line is this. He's gone. TQ's issue with Sony was something completely different. I mean, he, he, went, but he made a good career move um, in, a lot, in a lot of ways. Um, he made, you know, he had, we had fun when we were all with Cash Money Records, just acting a fool for the most part. Um, at the same time, um, Antonio Brown's got bigger issues he has to worry about now. No doubt. 
And I, and I think there's some psychological things going on. Um, he's got way bigger issues. So just like with, with like the Cleo Mack situation, I'm tired of people bringing Mack up. I'm not bringing up Mack on this show anymore unless the Raiders are playing the Bears or when they play the Bears. And I'm not bringing up Antonio Brown anymore until the Raiders play the Patriots. Because you know what? They're no longer Raiders. I know once a Raider, always a Raider. But Antonio Brown, you never even laced them up in a preseason game. So you never were a Raider as far as I'm concerned. Khalil Mack, you chose not to be a Raider. Turned down a lot of money because you didn't want to be a Raider. You're a bear. You're overpaid. You're not performing at a level that you're that you're getting paid for this year. So boo-boo on both of you. I'm focusing on guys that want to be Raiders and guys that are Raiders. And that's all you can do. You can just focus on the guys that are there that, that wear the silver and black, that lace them up every day, you know, that are in there in, in the practices in, in Alameda right now, in the locker rooms in Alameda, listening to John Gruden and Mike Mayock. It's all you can concentrate on now. So uh, I'm 100%, you know, with you as far as AB goes. And, you know, I still got a lot of love for Khalil Mack, but I realize he's a bear, so I don't, you know, I don't really focus on him. But he's, you know, whatever. He he ain't done nothing to me. I'm, I'm good, whatever. You know, it is what it is. I, I get it. Guys want to get as much money as possible because you just never know when your, your last play might might be you might go out and get a severe neck injury you know you got to get as much much uh money as you can just just because you're, you know what i mean you're one play away so i i get it I, i'm all good with that but the whole ab thing is whatever you know he, he's in new england that's their problem now i guess i guess my biggest beef with cleo mac isn't the fact that he's in chicago but the fact that raiders fans don't think the raiders did everything they could to sign him or that they didn't have they raiders have the market Look, and Jeremy Donald's a, a fantastic writer. I respect him immensely. But Mark Davis has somebody to pay anybody he wants to freaking pay, okay? Cash on hand is not an issue. That's, I'm being 100% forthright in telling Raider Nation this. 100%. He was going to pay Khalil Mack over $20 million guaranteed. He wanted 23. They weren't going to go to 23 because, you know, you can't have $50 million tied up in two players. And Chicago was willing to do it. That's where he went. The bottom line is this. Khalil Mack didn't want to be a Raider. He didn't want to play for John Gruden. He did not want to be in silver and black. He did not want to play in Oakland anymore. He wanted to get paid. I'm all four players getting paid. One, get it while you can. You have a short time span to maximize right. on your own God-given abilities. So go get that money. But I'm just tired of Raider Nation saying the stolen shade on Mark Davis or Gruden or anybody else. It's like, oh, they, they, they weren't going to pay him or they didn't have the money. Yes, they did. The bottom line is they were trying to be smart about how they divvy up the salary cap space and who they're going to pay. Because the bottom line is without this Khalil Mack trade, Josh Jacobs wouldn't be a Raider and a few other really, really good players would not be Raiders, including this guy that they're talking about trading for, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> now, Jalen Ramsey, the Jacksonville cornerback. Jalen, I mean – Look, Jalen, to me, and I've said this for the last three years, is the best cornerback in the NFL. And I think there's a few guys that are that are in that category, but Jalen, to me, is is the standard. Absolutely. He can play off coverage, can play off coverage in zone, and he can strap you up playing man. I mean, that's he's that guy. And he prefers to play a man. Jaylen, oh, he does, 100%. Yep. And, I, but, and I, think that's be, I think that's because that that is that. I'm better than you mentality. Exactly right. And uh, and at the end of the day, Jalen, 
has been wanting to get paid by Jacksonville. They paid Miles Jack. I'm beyond happy for Miles, who's actually TQ's cousin, along with Julio Jones and TJ Yeldon. So I'm beyond that. Family got paid, you know. And at the end of the day, um, it's Jalen's turn to get paid. He's in the fourth year of his, of his rookie deal. Uh, he needs to be paid like the top corner in the NFL. Jacksonville doesn't want to do it. Tom Coughlin doesn't like the fact that he's brash and he's bold and he's, uh, he's going to let you know about yourself. He doesn't like that, his arrogance. At the same time, when you're that good, you should be. Well, if you guys don't know what happened on Sunday, uh, there was a controversial third down reception by uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Nuke caught a ball on, on Jalen, who thought the coach had thrown the flag. Uh, and Marone didn't and ends up being, I think they went down the score to kick the field goal or something. And Jalen came off the field and said something to Marone, and they snapped at him. Like you see on the sideline between players all the time. Aaron Rodgers did it to his head coach LeFleur over the weekend. You see Tom Brady, Belichick, and McDaniels get into it. That stuff happens. It's a part of the game. It's, it's not a big deal. Well, Marone goes over and gets in Jalen Ramsey's face. Now, what I found interesting about this is Ramsey stayed calm and stayed seated on the bench while his teammates went and grabbed Marone and pushed Marone away. Like Marone was the one that lost his cool, not Ramsey. Right. The teammates' reaction spoke volumes to me. Well, after the game, uh, Jalen's agent, uh, David Magula, um, I think he's the head of Athletes First now. Yeah, uh, he is. The, the, the agency. Um, and he's a Kappa, find new pie till I die. I feel you, noop. Um, <laughs> They requested a trade, and they did it privately. Well, Jacksonville leaked the information to Adam Schefter Monday, and now Jalen Ramsey is on the trade block. Now, I can tell you this. This is what I was told prior to us starting to record this, when I got told by three, now four different sources, um, that the Raiders do have an offer on the table. Uh, that is a first-round pick and Gary on Conley to the Jacksonville Jaguars for Jalen Ramsey. That's what I was told by four different sources, two within the Raiders organization and two in NFL circles. Um, I also know there's one NFC team that uh, made a move today and has an open roster spot, and they are also trying to land Gary on Conley to their roster. Um, Green Bay? I cannot confirm what they have offered. I can't confirm what they offered. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so... For me, and I wrote about this on the FSM website yesterday, I made the case for Jalen Ramsey and why the Raiders need him. To me, and I know Nandi Asamoa, another fine Kappa man, um, was a tremendous corner for the Raiders when he went to the Eagles. He ended up, you know, just flaming it out. But to me, Jalen Ramsey would be the best corner the Raiders have had should they trade for him than Charles. That was put comparable to Charles Woodson. Right. Um, since Charles Woodson. Agreed. The he first is, time. Charles Woodson is, the first time. He does everything. Exactly. The, Charles Woodson, the rookie guy. Yeah. Not, not, and he came back. Now, I will say this, not to change subjects, but Charles Woodson, when he came back, was a better football player. Yes. Agreed. He was a better leader, and, and he was a better character guy. When he was there the first time, he was more talented. Yep. He was more athletic. Yep. So, there's that side of it. But, so, for me... You, if you can add a Jalen Ramsey, and the cost is a first-round pick, which isn't guaranteed 
to be anything special. Hell, the, the Cowboys today just cut Taco Charleston, and he was a first round pick. Um, when you look at when you look at Garyon Conley, you know I'm a big fan of his. I was a big, big, and I still am. I think he can really play. He just got to stay healthy. Right. Um, but he's not Jalen Ramsey. No. If you can get Jalen Ramsey for for that, you have to pull the trigger. You have to do it. And I was told just to put a cap on this before I, before you jump in, Q, um, is I was told something should happen Friday ish. That's the that's the time frame that I was told that they expect something to happen Friday. I'm not saying it's going to. Right. It's expected to happen on Friday. Well, you know, Thursday evening the 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 um the Jaguars play, so that that's uh that's why nothing's going to happen till at least Friday, just because he's actually scheduled to play, which stinks because if a team trades for him, then he can't play this weekend. You know, say say the Raiders were to trade for him, he can't play on Sunday. Uh, league rule says that you can only play one game in a week, so uh, he can't he can't play two. Uh, that which which stink, but I mean it is what it is. So uh, yeah, hopefully uh, he goes out there and if he does play with the Jags on Thursday night, he's actually safe because uh, that would suck for him. That would suck for a team trying to acquire him. That would suck for uh, you know the contract that he's trying to get right now. Now he'd still get a big time contract, but you just don't want him to get hurt. Period. So uh, you know they're kind of being risky with that situation. But uh, yeah, Jalen Ramsey would be a dog. He'd be an absolute alpha dog that the Raiders need in that secondary. Uh, one, they're they're facing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs twice a year for the next who knows how long they're going to be out there doing their thing. But uh, Jalen Ramsey's still young enough to be a foundational piece, and he's an old enough veteran enough to know exactly what he's doing. And uh, he's already shown to give guys like uh, Tyreek Hill fits. Hell, he's given guys like Antonio Brown fits. I mean, he's a he's an absolute alpha dog when it comes to that that corner position. Uh, he can move around the field a lot if he has to. Uh, you could put, move him back to safety if you had to, just just in case. Uh, you could absolutely do that. Uh, I think that him and Jonathan Abram and uh, and and Trayvon Mullen in that secondary because I'd be okay if they if they moved on from Garyon Conley and gave up a first round pick and Garyon Conley. I'd be I'd be fine. I'd go out in the street and I'd sea walk. I'd do something. You know what I mean? I would do that okay because I, I'm telling you, and you know this, and everyone else knows this, I've never been a Garyon Conley guy. I just don't believe in him. Uh, he has moments where he flashes, and then he has moments where he just looks like he's scared to get in there and, and mix it up and tackle. He doesn't uh, He doesn't uh, press at the line of scrimmage when he's supposed to press. When he's in man coverage, he won't give you a jam at the line of scrimmage. You know what that's going to do? Get you burned. You gotta, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you know what I mean? You gotta put your hands on him and he just won't do it. And so I'd be okay with that. I believe in Trayvon Mullen, the rookie. He's got a lot to learn, but uh, it would be, it would be a hell of an experience for him to try to learn from a guy like Jalen Ramsey. So uh, I hope that Mike Mayock makes the move. I hope that John Gruden signs off on the move. I hope they sign him to a long-term deal when they trade for him, if they trade for him, like don't even mess around with it. Don't even play around. Just get the contract done. Get the extension done at the time that you trade for him. That would be 100%. Just like the what the Bears did when they traded with the with the Raiders and, and Khalil Mack all of a sudden had his deal done by like the end of the night, I would be good with that. Just go ahead and do the same thing, get it out of the way, and then you know, hey, I got this dude locked up for the next four or five years, whatever it is, and I'm good. And I, that would make Paul Gunther's defense that much better. You got some young studs back there, and uh, you still got LaMarcus Joyner for the slot. Uh, next year, when Jonathan Abram comes back, you'll have Abram and uh, whoever you have back there with him. I don't know if Carl Joseph will be there. He's in the final year of his deal. But if it's him, then so be it. If it's someone else, well, so be it. I mean, it is what it is, but that secondary is that much better. So uh, I've been pounding the table for uh, the Raiders to go make that move for Ramsey ever since he said it, or they said he was available. And uh, I hope they go ahead and pull that trigger. One thing I will say, and I don't know if this has anything to do with anything. I honestly don't. I'm just going to throw it out there because I saw it on Twitter and I found it to be interesting is that Lee Mayock, the daughter of Mike 
was in Jacksonville today. And she was apparently at the Jaguars facility, or at least that's what I took from it. Following her on Twitter, she took a picture of something in the in the Jaguars, some kind of water. Damn it! Now I gotta find it again. Hold on, give me one second. She, she... okay? Well, well, you find it. I'll, I'll say this: I, one of my sources told me today, uh, prior to coming on, that he was told Jacksonville's going to accept the offer. I haven't confirmed that, and I usually confirm things, and you know this in our business. I usually go two or three people, maybe sometimes four, right. to confirm a rumor. Um, but one of the guys, and he hasn't been wrong too often with for me. One of my sources has not been too wrong. He said that 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 they that deal is agreed upon that they're holding off until Friday to make the deal. Um, and okay, well, her, I hold on, be real, surprised. hold on, real quick. Her picture said before I lose it. It says okay at Jaguars with the hashtag Spa Water setup. Thank you so much. And then four emojis with uh, hearts in the eyes. And she took a picture of like this little spa water setup, I guess. And a bunch of is like five or six different uh, setups. And so I'm assuming that that means that she's at the Jaguar facility. So, uh, you know, you, you put together what you want to. Well, I'll say this. Um, I would love to read into that a little bit more. I may have to dive into that a little bit. But the other thing is, the Raiders are going to have $85 million or 80 plus, 80, 85 plus million dollars in cash space next year going into the offseason. Okay. The Raiders, that's a ton of money. You could spend that on Jalen Ramsey. You could go get another receiver if someone's out there. You can, you can do a lot. Um, you trade for Jalen Ramsey. You make him the highest paid corner in the league with Ramsey, Mullen, Worley, Nixon, Johnson, Joyner. Abram, I think they resigned Joseph. They have Eric Harris still, and I think they're going to draft the safety as well. Now, that, that's 10 DB spots that could be very useful for them going forward. But Jalen Ramsey's 24 years old right exactly, now. Exactly. He's strapped up tight. He's strapped up Tyree Kill to two catches for like 13 yards last time they played, something ridiculous like that. He's strapped up Antonio Brown. He strapped up A.J. Green to the point where A.J. Green started a fight with him. He strapped up Julio Jones. You name the, the receiver in the NFL, Jalen straps him up, and he is the standard. And I don't want to hear, and this is something that, that is on the Jalen Ramsey subject, and even back to A.B., I don't want to hear how the NFL is turning into the NBA. The NFL, with these guys wanting to, to go where they want to go, it's been like that forever. It wasn't until Reggie White filed a, a federal lawsuit against him for free agency that he was able to leave. So that was in the in, in 91 or 90, 92, I believe. 91, 92. That's, that's not that far ago. That's like less than 30 years ago. So when you really look at it, when you really look at it, Deion Sanders did it when he left. You know, hey, you're not going to pay me? I'm going on a tour. He signed with the 49ers. The following year, there was a bidding war between San Francisco and Dallas. He goes in week two against Dallas, and there's Dion, highest-paid defensive player in the NFL at that time. Mm-hmm. You look, there's been other, you know, he did it. You know, Bo Jackson started a bidding war between the the Royals and the Raiders. And he, I'm not going to the Buccaneers. So I'm playing baseball. The Raiders draft me. Okay, I'm gonna play both. Dion played both. I mean, it's been like this in leagues forever. It's nothing new. It's just because we all have social media and, and we try to find stories that gets blown out of proportion. Jalen Ramsey, and I was told this about the Jacksonville locker room. 
by sources in the Jacksonville locker room and around the team that there's defensive players. Like the defense, the defensive room is divided. There's, there's, it's very cliquish. And let's say the D-line doesn't get along with the secondaries. And the linebackers are in the middle trying to play peacemaker between the two. And then the locker room itself is fractured because they're tired of Marone's ass. So that's a combustible situation. And Jalen Ramsey sees it, and he wants out. And he was on the, the podcast that was on uh, a Tyler Lewan's podcast. Busting with the boys. And, yeah, and he straight up said that, hey, um, you know what? I, I would like to play here in Tennessee because where I'm from. But I'd like to go play in Vegas. I'd like to go play with the Raiders. Why? Well, you know, no state income tax. You know, and he named some other reasons. But he specifically named them, and that's, that again, speaks volumes to what this guy sees things and sees things ahead of, ahead of time. He's got a vision. So I cannot fault him for that. I cannot fault him for wanting to win. I cannot fault him for being upset that a week earlier – his, one of his best friends on the team just loses his cool because of a cheap shot and gets thrown out of a game in Miles Jack. Like, and there's no, again, you didn't hear Marone or anybody step up to the table and defend him. So I think that Jalen sees it, the writing on the wall, and is like, you know what, this is where I want to be. I think the Raiders need to do it. Bottom line is you get a generational-type cornerback like Jalen Ramsey. It's like adding a, Deion, a bigger stronger, more physical Deion Sanders to your secondary, you need to do it. He, again, the Raiders, you remember when they had Dale Carter in that secondary? Um, that, you know, God, it was Gruden's, I think it was Leighton Gruden's year, Art Shell had him too, and they had Dale Carter, and then Harvey Williams was the running back. Yeah, like they, they infiltrated the Chiefs. And got, yeah, that was back in the day. Yep. But Dale Carter, people will tell you, Dale Carter may have been a better corner than Deion Sanders. So there's people in the NFL, Dale Carter's film is just phenomenal, but he didn't, search, he didn't go look for the limelight. And Dale, another one that will lock you down and strap you up. That's kind of like what, what Jalen Ramsey is. The Raiders need to make this deal. If, if my source is correct in saying that the deal will be announced on Friday for a one in Conley, great if, if, if he's wrong. I mean, again, I, I'm waiting on the other sources to confirm it. But the bottom line is this. If, you, if he comes to the Raiders, the Raiders secondary goes from a position of ah uh, to a position of strength, and they're all young, and they're going to grow together, and they're going to give the AFC West and Patrick Mahomes fits. I agree. I agree, and I hope it gets done. I really do. I think it'd be a, a, a huge addition, uh, a kind of guy with an attitude and a, and a little bit of swagger about himself that the Raiders need. You know, I know Jonathan Abram has that that skill set and that uh, or that 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 swagger and, and that attitude about himself, but he's unproven. He's played one game in the NFL, and we won't see anything else until 2020. So a guy like uh, Jalen Ramsey, the rest of the squad, the rest of the defense could really look up to, and, and and really guys like that. And you know, Joe, you've been around enough successful people, and you've you've had enough success yourself where when you have that certain confidence about yourself, it breeds confidence around with other people. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we can get on this podcast and you know that, hey, it's going to be really good because not only am I going to hold my weight, but Q's going to hold his weight too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just it's just something Absolutely. about it. It's like, you know when confidence breeds other confidence and boom, you got something. Then you're cooking with grease. And so that's, that's, what, uh, you know, that's what I'm excited about because I know that he could just help uh, pr- bring that confidence and that, that swagger and that, that belief in yourself. He can help bring that out in the guys that are there right now. 
Absolutely. I agree 150%, especially when they move to Vegas and you have a secondary full of bangers like that when, yep. when Abram comes back. I mean, now you got now you got a secondary that will be probably be one of the top two or three in all of the NFL, you know, if things continue to go that way. But I, I brought up Vegas right there for a specific reason. Uh, there's a, there a little talk on, on Vegas Twitter. Um, and I'm, I'm a, my boy Jason Vigil has said that, um, and I want to correct him on this, um, because they're talking about how um, Sam Boyd Stadium and Mark Davis, why couldn't the Raiders have played there this year? So let me just go ahead and just kind of get us the, the context of it. So talking about that and, and some college and UNLV stuff out here, Mountain West stuff, which doesn't pertain to the Raiders, so I'm not going to get into that. And he said that the, the Raiders didn't include UNLV in the, the topping off ceremony at the stadium. They refused to play at Sam Boyd this season, didn't even have a preseason game at Sam Boyd, despite saying they would. Uh, Mark Davis doesn't care about UNLV. Well, I, I disagree with that. Um, UNLV, UNLV was at the topping off ceremony. Um, the president and the athletic director and members of the athletics department were there um, as well. As UNLV didn't ask to put anything on the beam that went up. You, the Raiders have been more than accommodating and go out of their way for UNLV. Mark Davis has made it very clear that this is a partnership with UNLV. Um, the reason why they didn't play at Sam Boyd is Sam Boyd's up for sale. They want $8 million for it. Uh, a certain entertainer is in is rumored to buy it. I'm not going to say the name because, again, it's unsubstantiated reports or rumors. Um, but why would you invest money into Sam Boyd when – it's going to be, I mean, it's not going to blow it up, but it's not going to be used for anything other than maybe high school football games and youth football games going forward. Um, the, the, the issue the NFL had with Sam Boyd was, first of all, the, the benches and the seats are too close to the sideline. You couldn't even get the truck, the TV truck down the sidelines. Um, there wasn't enough luxury boxes. Um, there was this, uh, the, the locker rooms are too small. I mean, it's just an old statement. There's a reason why UNLV is moving out of it, moving into, you know, to, to, to leave the stadium. So I don't agree with him with that. They need, the whole, with, with them not playing a preseason game here and then playing in Winnipeg, look, the bottom line is this. It's a, at that time, it's 113, 114, 115 degrees, and that's not on the turf. To play a preseason game here, to me, would have been asinine to play that at Sam Boyd. And that's player safety. That's that, that right there, that heat in itself is ridiculous. That's why you know all of you know these football games early in the year at home are played at 7 o'clock at night when it's cooler. They don't play the 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock games, 4 o'clock games there. They wait till 7 o'clock at night. Um, and then, you know, he said they could have easily fixed all those things. Uh, and it's better than crawling back to Oakland. Look, I, I make it very clear that I'm glad the Raiders are coming to Las Vegas. I feel for the city of Oakland and the Raider fans in Oakland. In fact, when I think of the Raiders, I still think Oakland first. And I'm a guy from Southern California. I, I would loved, I would have loved for them to get a stadium deal in Oakland worked out. It didn't happen. They're not staying there no matter what. They're going to be in Vegas in less than a year. But I'm not going to take a dump on the, on the fans in, in the city of Oakland. I think, I think it's dumb. Um, I don't think it's, 
it's appropriate. I mean, a lot of those fans are hurting. You know, some of them are crying on on various social media platforms, you know, and, and burning stuff and just, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm not, I'm not going to clown them or make fun of them. Quite frankly, I, I feel horrible for them, and, I, and I, I feel bad for them. This is the business of sports. So for somebody to – I mean, I, I guess it goes back to why couldn't they play at Sam Boyd this year? Um, quite frankly, I wouldn't want them to. If I'm a Raider fan, if they're coming to Vegas, put me in the palace off across the street from Mandalay Bay in the Delano on I-15 and Russell Road. Put me there. I don't want to play near a suburb in Henderson, California, or Henderson, Nevada. Just don't want to do it. So I never thought playing at Sound Boy for any extended period of time was feasible. And after talking to the NFL at the owners' meetings a couple years ago, I really didn't think playing a preseason game at Sound Boy was, was, was feasible. So to even suggest that, I, I think, and to, and to suggest that Mark Davis isn't about UNLV or the city of Las Vegas, uh, again, I think that's, that's not informed. Um, Mark Davis has already done a lot for the city of Las Vegas through the Las Vegas Aces and the Golden Knights, giving out tickets to high school kids and girls basketball teams to go watch the Aces and, and giving out tickets to the Golden Knights. Mark Davis has really ingratiated himself and has started to really ingratiate himself in Las Vegas and while remaining rooted in Oakland. And you have to give him credit for that. Yeah, no, you really do. He's done a hell of a job. And I've seen all the stuff that he's been doing in Vegas and he's always frequent in there. And he's always at, like you mentioned, the Aces games and you can find him at a Golden Knights game. I mean, you can find him all over the city of Las Vegas, uh, giving out money to different schools that are there. I know they just made a big donation not too long ago uh, to, to one of the schools out there or a, cu- a couple schools out there. I mean, there's a lot of good things that, that he's doing in the city of, of Las Vegas. And it's, it's tough, man. You got to navigate between two cities right now and really try to appease both of them. And, uh, you know, and I think think part of appeasing both of them is uh, playing the final season in in Oakland. That's what he did. He didn't have to play in Oakland. He could have chose to take his team somewhere else and say, I'm not going to play in a city that's actually suing me. I mean, think about that. How many of us would go ahead and say, hey, you're suing me, but I'm going to go ahead and work for you anyway, or still, you know, bring bring you entertainment or bring you love, uh, even though you're suing me at the time. He did it not for the city of Oakland. He did it for the fans of the city of Oakland, the fans that go to the Coliseum, the the, the many years of that. So uh, I have all the respect in the world for him for doing that. It's something I felt he was going to do anyway. I felt he was going to, because uh, he does. He, he's a guy, and he even admitted, he's like, hey, I... Uh, you know, I, I'm not always the best businessman because sometimes I got a soft spot. You know, I got a soft spot in my heart, and, and you got to really be kind of cold-blooded sometimes, and, and he's not that dude. And so he he showed the, the city of Oakland a lot of respect. Yes, I know there's only seven home games this year. I get that. There's only five left, but part of the rules and, and part of the, the stipulations that you go through of moving and relocating is you, you play a game in London. You play a game overseas, and so that's what he's doing. And, you know, he's got to go through, you know, a bunch of different – uh, you know, loopholes and, and circles, and he's got to he's got to dance a little bit. But I mean, he's doing what he's doing for the the beneficiary of the team. Uh, he's going to have that nice stadium in Vegas, and uh, I, I'm I, I have no no ill will towards him. And, and believe me, I'm a guy that you know hates to see them leave the city of Oakland as an Oakland dude. You know, I I don't want them to leave, but I get it. I absolutely get it. And uh, playing in Sam Boyd would have been a bad idea. I don't like that at all. Um, you know, you mentioned the heat, uh, especially even during the preseason. I was just at Baylor, uh, what, a week ago, two weeks ago, when they played a 3 p.m. game, 3 p.m. game, and it was like 105. Oh, out- yeah, it was 105 outside, and it was 181 on the field. I mean, there was a time when the quarterback for Baylor actually had to go to the locker room because his feet were burning. 
I mean, literally his cleats were, were right. almost melting. And that's going back to what you mentioned about player safety. I mean, that's that's asinine that they even did that. But because of TV uh, TV time, they had a TV time kickoff at 3 p.m., it, it just – that's how it shook out. And I'm telling you, man, I, for the fans that were out there, I felt for them. I stayed out there for a quick minute on the sideline. I was like, I can't do this. And I wasn't playing. I, I stood on the sideline for a quick minute. And I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to the house. It was just too hot for me. So I bailed. But, man, I'm telling you uh, – that yeah, that that would not have been uh, good at all because that heat in in Vegas is similar to the heat in Central Texas where it's just it's just deathening. It's just absolutely just oh my god! Like every time you breathe, it's like you're breathing in nothing but heat, and it just it sucks. There's a player at UNLV, Rashad Jackson, and, and Raider fans get to know that name. He's a guy that I think would be a great fit in Oakland. Um, he's a guy. He's a Florida grad transfer. Came into UNLV. He's a stud. Um, anyway, uh, Sean was telling me after the first game, uh, we were doing an interview with him for the website, and he said, he goes, Joe, he goes, big bro, I'm going to tell you the worst part about out here was in that first game, I felt like I had sand in my throat after the first series. Not that I was out of shape, right. just that I, I, I had cotton mouth the entire time. He goes, and I couldn't get enough water in my system. So, again, that's one of the reasons why there's going to be a dome at Allegiant Stadium, and it's going to be temperature control for the Raiders and for the for UNLV. So the reality is it made no sense for them to play any games at Sam Boyd. I agree. It's, it's too hot that early in the year. And when you come here, just come in your new digs. You know, it's like when you buy a house, you don't want to live in an apartment in the hood if you don't have to. If you can stay in your in your in your house where you've been in for twenty plus years, you know, right now until your your new house is ready out of state and that's where you're gonna be after probably the rest of your, your your life, you wait till that bad boy's built and you go in there. It's, it's no different. So we're going to take our last quick break, folks. We're going to come back, talk about the Vikings game, and answer your questions you guys sent to our email, RaidersPodcastNSBNation at gmail.com. We'll answer that and get into the Raiders-Vikings preview right after this. You're listening to Q&A on the Silver and Black Five Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and myself. I'm Joe Arrigo. This is brought to you by the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. All right, Q, this weekend the Raiders take on the Vikings. And uh, as someone that just watched the entire Vikings game last Sunday, I, I know how I feel about the Vikings. I want this game bad for the Raiders because, quite frankly, I am not impressed with the Vikings. Um and most importantly, I think the Raiders have a legitimate chance at beating the Vikings in part for two reasons. One, the Raiders can run the ball with Josh Jacobs. Right. And you get Richie Incognito back at left guard. Your offensive line is pretty much all intact. Col- give Colton Miller credit, folks. He allowed one pressure in two weeks. I mean, he is playing out of his mind at left tackle. Trent Brown is a dog at right tackle. So Rodney Hudson, the best center in the NFL. Incognito. I think Cooper's at right guard. So you have the offensive line is, is playing really good ball. Darren Waller's a matchup problem for Minnesota. Um, Tyrell Williams would be a matchup problem. But Josh Jacobs, you can run the ball with him. And the second thing is the Raiders' defense is pretty damn good, in my opinion. And you have to, and Kirk Cousins beats himself. Yeah. Captain Kirk is going to beat himself. I've seen it. With my own eyes on Sunday, I got to finish him do the same thing against the Raiders. But 
I think you make the Vikings one-dimensional. You stop Dalvin Cook. Yep. Look, Thielen and Diggs, they got strapped up last week by two young corners. I think the Raiders can do the same thing. Stop Dalvin Cook. The, the Raiders really should have a, have a really nice game going into Minnesota. Well, I'll say that the Raiders' strength of their defense right now is their run defense. I mean, it really is. Those big guys in the middle, and the Raiders are doing a really good side, uh, good job on setting the edge and, and, and funneling everything back to the middle. And those guys in the middle are starting to clean things up. You know, P.J. Hall's cleaning things up. Jonathan Hankins is cleaning things up. Mo Hurst, when he's out there, he's cleaning things up. There's, there's good things to be had with that Raiders' run defense right now. Uh, they, they, stopped, they stopped the Chiefs from getting uh, – they only had 31 yards rushing in that game against the Chiefs. Now, the passing game went for 433 yards, but – but still, uh, you know, the, the running game did not give up too much. And then on, on top of that, week one, uh, Philip Lindsay and uh, and uh, Royce Freeman, they didn't do too much on the ground against the Raiders either. So the run defense has done well. If they could key in on Dalvin Cook, I believe Kirk Cousins will give you an opportunity to make a play. I believe Kirk Cousins will put the ball out there and you can go make a play, but it's up to you to go make it. Now, he can also burn you. And Thielen and, and Diggs are dogs. I mean, they could play. There's some damn good wide receivers, and, you know, the Raiders do have some young defensive backs and guys that sometimes step up and play really well. Sometimes they're a little suspect. So, you know, they can get burned. But at the same time, Kirk Cousins is going to give you an opportunity to make a play and come away with the interception or maybe even two. And if the Raiders can do that defensively, then you're setting up the offense. Then you're cooking with grease, like I like to say. And uh, we'll see what they do with Josh Jacobs. I believe the the, the key game plan has got to be run the rock with Jacobs. He's got to have a, a pretty good game. And I'm waiting, and I don't know what week they're going to do it. I'm waiting for them to unleash him as a receiver out of the backfield. He's only caught one pass this year for 28 yards. He can do that. He can absolutely do that. When is John Gruden, when is Derek Carr going to allow him to do that? That's what I want to see. Once that part of his game gets put gets, gets going, then all of a sudden you got something because now you got a three-headed monster, a guy who can catch, who can run, and can block. And then you're really working with something positive. I know Thielen and Diggs are one of the NFL's top duos, but they're head cases. Last week, Jair Alexander... He stays in Adam Thielen's head. Thielen is literally scared of Jair Alexander and the way he straps him up. Uh, Diggs is a hothead, and he cost his team the game last week in a lot of ways. Um, so, for me, I think LaMarcus Joyner on Diggs or LaMarcus Joyner on Thielen because he's more physical, and then you have Conley run some combo coverage over Diggs really only likes to run deep routes. They can run some shallow crossing routes. He doesn't like getting – he doesn't like the contact. So you can, you can hit him a couple of times. Now you have – now, as you say, you're cooking with some grease because what happens is now it's like, oh, I don't want to run these routes. I'm not going to run them as hard. My, my, hand, my arms are going to be a little bit shorter. I'm not going to you know, pluck or snatch the ball off the, off the air. I like that. Uh, the tight end game, I mean, Rudolph and Smith, they were non-existent last week for Minnesota, and literally non-existent. So I, I really like the Raiders' defense in this game. Um, and then it, offensively, I want to see, you know, I, I want to see Gruden just open up the playbook. Just open it up. And you know what? Damn everything else, John. Just just open up to Williams and Waller. Look, I'm sorry. Ryan Grant, you've had an okay NFL career. Let's get Keelan Doss on the damn field and let Keelan Doss make some plays. Because every time he's on the field, 
that dude makes plays. Hunter Renfro, he, he did a pretty good job. I want to see him get stronger. Yeah. But again, this, these are the types of these are the. And, but Minnesota secondary is suspect. They they are horrible in nickel and dime coverage. I mean, outside of Rose who got torched last week, and and Wayans who who didn't have a great week, that secondary got torched early and often, and it really in, in critical parts of the game. I, I can see the Raiders doing that same thing. You see more of a passing attack this week, especially with Waller and Williams. I think Renfro's going to eat a lot in the middle of the field. You're going to see a lot of that, and and quite frankly, they practice against that same type of defense. Gunther and and Zimmer run the same type of scheme, right? So it's going to be very familiar for 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 Derek Carr and John Gruden in the Raiders' offense. Yeah, no no doubt about that. And, you know, I'm just interested to see how John Gruden does that offensively, how he uh, schemes it up. And he's got to do a better job. You know, he has uh, some really good moments where the Raiders look like they're really clicking, and then all of a sudden it kind of they just stall out and they kind of get stale. So John Gruden's got to find a way to keep that consistency up. One way to do that is not having so many pre-snap penalties. That That's one thing that drives me crazy. It drives every coach crazy. Yeah. I'm sure it drives every fan crazy. Just watching their team go ahead and just have all these unnecessary pre snap penalties they're just they're just not good and they're they're all they're almost drive killers every time and so the Raiders have to find a way to eliminate those um you know Darren Waller like you mentioned he is a really good player and I like what he brings to the table through two games he has 13 catches already he only had six catches in all of 2018 so if he can keep that up uh then all of a sudden you got something there and you don't feel bad about Jared Cook being gone so far uh you know everything's been two thumbs up with with Darren Waller Tyrell Williams, he's a little banged up, got a little hip injury, but uh, he's a gamer. He said he's going to be out there playing, so that's good. Trent Brown is kind of the the guy that I'm paying attention to. He's dealing with a knee injury. Um, He didn't practice on Wednesday, and so I'm kind of interested to see if he practices or if he's just active for the game. He's a veteran. He might not need really any practice throughout the rest of the week. He might just go out there and play on Sunday. If that's the case, so be it. The Raiders really need him out there because if not, you got David Sharp or you got Brandon Parker. Neither one of those guys I'm very high on, and that can get you know troublesome for Derek Carr. So uh, you got to keep you got to keep DC upright, and uh, you you got to respect what he's been trying to do by keeping plays alive with his feet. But you want your guys, you want your dogs out there on the on the offensive line, and and the guy who's playing right now for uh, Gabe Jackson, that's uh that's Denzel Good. They just released uh, Jonathan Cooper okay. when uh, when Incognito okay. came back. So yeah, that's that's uh, Denzel Good. And he's been playing actually pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, he's lived up to his name. The guy who I know for a fact has had this game circled now for over a year is Daniel Carlson. Yeah. Now, if you don't know, yep. he initially was with the Vikings and he missed a couple field goals in the, in and in, in their first game last year and got cut the next day. Like he drew the ire of Zimmer, and the Raiders picked him up and he's been nails since then. So I would love to see Carlson just screw the Vikings. Maybe it's because I literally hate the Minnesota Vikings more than any team in the NFL. There's only a few teams in there. They're on par me, you know, with other sports teams like the Celtics and the Red Sox and the Giants, the San Francisco Giants. Like they're on par with those teams for me, the 49ers, like those, I like the amount of hate I have for the Vikings cannot be spoken enough. So I am again, rooting hard for the Raiders which, coincidentally, they're having a Raider Nation on location watch party out here uh, at the district in Green Valley Ranch. Yeah, in Henderson, yeah, so in Green Valley. So if you're in Vegas, go on to Raider Nation on location. It was really cool when I was there a couple weeks ago, Napoleon McCallum, Jay Schrader, um, 
a few other guys. We we're at this place called Chalice. CQ and I with our families, and we were there, and they were hanging out. We were all hanging out, having a couple of a uh, couple of adult pops, so to speak, and, and watching the Raiders high five each other. It's pretty cool. So let's get to the email questions, the last part of the show. And this comes from a, a very good man. He's, this guy's one of my favorite followers, um, one of my favorite, you know, Raider family members um, on Twitter, uh, New York Raider. And his question to us, Q, I'll let you answer first and I'll jump in after you. It's how come Derek Carter is still not seeing the whole field? Too many times wide receivers are open for big plays and he doesn't see them. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have that problem, so why is Carr still struggling with that? You know, I, that's a good question, and I don't really know how valid that is. You know what I mean? I, I, I know there's opportunities. I feel like quarterbacks miss guys all the time. I mean, because they have one, two reads, whatever, uh, and, and then Derek Carr is trying to get the ball out of his hand as quickly as possible. Uh, that's something that John Gruden has really uh, pounded into his brain. Get it out as quickly as possible as part of that West Coast offense that John Gruden runs. He wants to really get the quick timing routes and get the yards after the catch. I mean, that's what he's all about. So I don't know if it's all the time Derek Carr is just missing guys as opposed to Derek Carr is trying to get the ball out of his hand and doesn't have enough – feels like he has enough time to allow a play to develop – um, sometimes I understand the frustration. I, I see it every once in a while, but I feel like for the most part so far this season, I think Derek Carr has been pretty good. I mean, I really do. I don't think he had a whole lot of time to let plays develop on Sunday against the Chiefs. Uh, once they got down, the Chiefs were able to kind of pin their ears back and just get after the quarterback, knowing that the run game was pretty much done. And because uh, Josh Jacobs carried the rock 12 times. So obviously at some point you're like, okay, they're not going to be running the ball too much. So uh, we're just going to pin our ears back and get after the quarterback. And that's what resulted in three uh, three sacks. And those all came off of what, the, the right side of the ball. And then uh, one time, I think uh, the guard, whoever was playing left guard at the time, since Richie Incognito wasn't there, he gave up a, a, a sack as well. But either way. Um, that was Cooper. That was Cooper. No, nah, it was Cooper. Cooper didn't get in the game. Cooper was, he, he, it was Devi. Oh. It was Devi. That's who it was. That's right. So it, Okay, there yeah. you go. All yeah, right. but Cooper was, Cooper was on the roster, but he never got into the game. Uh, he was just a depth guy waiting for uh, just in case someone got injured or banged up. But, uh, yeah, either way, uh, I, I just don't think that, that it's always about, you know, the deep ball. I think he takes his shots when he has an opportunity. I think Tyrell Williams blew a blew an opportunity on uh, on Sunday uh, early on. I think Derek Carr gave him a ball that was catchable, and I don't know if Tyrell lost it in the sun or what he did, but it's almost like he gave up on it at the end. And so I, I, no one really spoke on it, but it just looked weird when I was watching it. So um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a tough question to answer because I'm not – standing on the field and I'm not in his, in his, you know, feet. I'm not, I'm not there trying to figure out or see what he's seeing. Um, I, I think Derek Carr catches a lot of hell, something like you said earlier in the show. And, um, you know, I think he's going to be okay. John Gruden's offense is run the ball, sort of quick passes, occasionally take a shot down the field. It's not Andy Reid's offense. He doesn't have three guys that run four, three running deep crossing routes in a, in a deep post or, or a go route. You know, so each offense is different. And I agree with what you said. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that when they fell down 28-10 or even 21-10 for that matter, they became one-dimensional. The Chiefs were able to pin their ears back and just rush the passer. And let's be real, that second interception, which was a bad offensive pass interference call, which shouldn't have been called that, um, that, that really wasn't on car. The guy just stopped running his route and ran into somebody. That was on the receiver. Um, that really could have got, been defensive pass interference. And then, you know, Carr owned the one in the goal line. He's got to trust the back. But, again, he's seen something. For the most part, 
I really don't put on car taking. And this isn't college football where you can have guys just throw the ball downfield. You can't have Trevor Lawrence throw the ball 60 yards down the field or Jalen Hurts or whomever your, your quarterback is just start airing that ball out down the field. Not, it's not like that. This is an offense that the short pass is almost like a short, is like a long run play. Yeah. And that's what you want to predicate everything off. And then you can run play action off of that. And then you take your shots down the field. Hell, even the Rams, if you look at the McVay offense and all the disciples have come out of that, and the Shanahan offense, which is all kind of the same thing, and McVay's, a lot of it is based off of Gruden's offense, it's all predicated off run, the short pass, and then you take your shots down the field. So you, they, there's two or three or four you know, times you take a shot down the field. You don't take it down all the time. You take that shot all the time. So, um, and, and he's done a better job of it, to be honest with you. I mean, Carr's mm-hmm. done a really good job of throwing the ball down the field. He had two big ones, you know, the first game. They had one last week to, right. to win. So it's not like they're not doing it. So, I mean, and he's not Mahomes. I mean, just like they're not Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Right. You know, so each quarterback is different. So I don't think it's fair to hold them all to that standard. Um, let's go now to Sean Siegel, another one of our guys, Shawnee in Vegas. He said, hey, fellas, I believe the next three weeks are the key to the Raiders' season. He believes there's a real chance of the Raiders taking two out of the next three games against Minnesota at Indy and at home in Chicago in London. <laughs> he bases this on the subpar quarterback play of those three teams and how the Raiders' defense has handled uh, a below-average Joe Flacco in week one. He, uh, he thinks the Raiders may lose at Minnesota but win at Indy and then win the game in London. How do we think the Raiders do the next three weeks? Well, we, we kind of previewed the Minnesota game. Um, I like the Raiders in that game. Really, I can see the Raiders going 3-0 the next three weeks, to be very frank, and then going, having their bye, going to Green Bay, and then not be a game that they lose. And at that point, you're 4-2, and and you're really at a really good place in the season where you can, you, you can kind of really start focusing on your divisional opponents if you win the next three there and then steal a game here, a couple other games throughout the year, um, like maybe Detroit, um, in another game, now you're at eight wins, then possibly getting, then, you know, if you win, if you beat Denver again, you know, that, that gives you, that gives you eight, maybe steal one in Kansas City or steal one, steal one to two in LA gives you nine wins and you're in a good position. But I think this week you got to focus on Minnesota, but I could see uh, Sean a very real case that the Raiders go three and oh. Yeah, they could go 3-0. and I mean, obviously, that's the best-case scenario. They go 3-0. and uh, This is going to be a tough game in Minnesota. Uh, we did lay out how they could win the game. Uh, I, I'm still interested to see the, the injury report, the final injury report, to see who's going to be playing. I think Trent Brown's going to be a major key, so I'm really interested to see if he plays or not. Uh, but besides that, you know, I, I think that that's a very winnable game, but it also is the very first road game. So uh, you'll see how the, the Raiders react to playing somewhere that's not at home, you know. So that that will be an interesting part of it. Um, Indianapolis, I, I think that they could beat the Colts. I, I really do. And, and Jacoby Brissett's the quarterback. I don't want anyone to think that Jacoby Brissett is some kind of slouch. He's not. There's a reason why wow. Indy, Indy – there's a reason why Indy held on to him, and they, they've had multiple opportunities to trade him, and they're like, no, no, no. They knew that Andrew Luck, uh, there was there was things going on with him and never knew when they were going to need that insurance policy. And so Jacoby Brissett, he could play. You know, there's a there's a good chance that Indy, if things had gone right in their kicking game, which is funny, Adam Vinatieri, one of the best kickers in the history of the league, he's basically got the yips right now. If he had been the dude that he always was, the guy that's always so reliable, I mean, they easily could be 2-0 and right now. They easily could be 2-0 and right now. So uh, don't sleep on, on Indy. It's going to be a tough game. 
Uh, they they have a, a really good run game and they have a really good uh, offensive line. So that's going to you know play a major role. Obviously, they got a couple of wide receivers that can get it done, mainly T.Y. Hilton. But, uh, you know, the game that I'm really intrigued by the most out of these three that, that we're talking about is really the London game. The Raiders have never played well in London. I hate it when they play there because of that simple fact. They always get waxed in London. Uh, there's been multiple times that uh, you, you kind of felt like, well, the season's over after they come back from London. You know, it's just it's just one of those things. Uh, we all remember last year against Seattle. That was terrible. We all remember the Dennis Allen year where he, he went and he got fired uh, after after getting waxed in London. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many different memories I have of London that just are bad. So, yeah, um, I think that this game is winnable, though, because I'm not sold on Mitchell Trubisky. And this year so far, and it's only a small sample size, Matt Nagy's offense, his creativity that he had in 2018, doesn't make that offense look very creative right now. They barely won last week by an Eddie Pinheiro field goal, a long Eddie Pinheiro field goal, which kudos to him because that, that helps the Raiders. As long as he's playing, then uh, they can get a draft pick uh, eventually from, from the Bears for him. So that would be good. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. But that game... I think that the Raiders have an opportunity to pick up, pick up their very first win in London because that Matt Nagy offense is not clicking right now. Their run game is not clicking like they thought it would be. David Montgomery's playing well, but everybody else is not playing that well, and, and their wide receivers aren't looking that hot, and Trubisky is still a question. So, you know, everyone knows they got a strong defense. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but it's not the Vic Fangio-led defense. It's, uh, it's definitely not that. It's, uh, it, it's Chuck chuck pagano's defense now so it's a little bit different twist a little bit different you know uh verbiage a different guy making the calls it's just it's just a little different so i think if there's a a crack in the armor i think it'd be right there and i think that the raiders could pull that off so i can see where sean's coming from i'm not gonna go with the 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 trifecta and they win they go three and oh i can say that there's a chance that they go two and one in the next three games though i'll say this i'll say this and i'll move on to the next question um for the colts their offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. Quentin Nelson's a stud. So that, to me, is going to be that the O-line versus D-line in that game is going to be whoever wins the point of attack. And it's an old football analogy. Whoever wins, that's going to win. But I really, that's a game where that's actually the case. Trubisky doesn't look left unless the play is actually called to his left. He stays right. You'll have to break his neck to look left. Right. Trubisky is a horrible NFL quarterback. I don't see the big deal with him. I've watched him play his entire career. This is his third year now. So I know I've seen him play at least five times with my own eyes. And I've come away less impressed each time with him. Um, I'm not a Trubisky believer. I really think that that is going to be their last game, the Raiders' last game in London, and that's where they get their first win in London is with their last game. I, I just, I'm not a believer in the bears. And just be honest, well, you want the bears to lose every single game. <laughs> right. Right. If they can, you know, make that pick a lot higher for, you know, if, if that's, if that is the pick, if that's not the pick used for Jalen Ramsey, if it's their own pick or whatever, you know, you want them to lose every game. Cause you want that pick to be as high as possible because, Jeremy Judy will sure look good in silver and black next year. I'm speaking that into existence. You ain't lying. Um, <laughs> you ain't lying. <laughs> Let's go to the next question. It's uh, Carlos Hernandez. Carlos wants to know, do we think Trevor Davis can be a legitimate number two receiver, or do we see him being a career backup? Uh, you know, 
And, that, and that's actually the same question as well from Hope Lives. Um, they ask what we think about Trevor's acquisition and will he be a special teams player and perhaps make his way to number two or number three. That's Johnny Smalls. Uh, Carlos and Johnny, for me, as someone that has followed Trevor's career since the day he got drafted on, on um, I think a three or four will be about where he will be on the depth chart eventually, by probably a four. Um, a lot like he'd be a lot like Dwayne Harris, except he's going to give you a lot more speed right. and a lot more height. And I know, like you said, he only has one catch on the year for 28 yards. Um, he did a really good job of, of running a post, sitting in the zone, and then getting up and picking up additional, like, I think seven or eight yards on that reception. Um, and it was, it was a big reception. It was on a third and, I think, a third and ten, and they were backed up inside the five when he had that reception. Uh, Trevor's very smart, and, you know, if given the opportunity to return a kick the way the NFL is now, it's very hard to do, or even punch for that matter, I think he, he's going to excel. And, look, Rich Passaccia is arguably the best special teams guy in the NFL. He's with the Raiders. He's a special teams coach. And you put him, Trevor, with him, and then Dwayne Harris, when, when you know, Dwayne's will help and when Dwayne because now you have electrifying guys back there. Now you got guys in, in that can really feed off each other at least at practice, you know, and in, in great depth. Is he gonna be the end all to be all a wide receiver? No, you're not getting a second coming to Tim Brown, Jerry Rice, Red Litnikoff, Mervin Hernandez. You may get a Willie Galt uh, at at best, Willie Galt when he was with the with the LA Raiders. Um or you may get Dwayne Harris two point oh. This right. is a younger version. Right. You know, that, that's that's about what Trevor Davis is. Yeah, he's a guy, in my opinion, is going to be uh, really good on special teams. Kick return, punt return, like you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, he could be a gunner, a really good gunner. So that's great. He's going to excel on special teams. That's how he's going to butter his bread. I mean, it's just as simple as that. I do think he's going to be a guy that can get in on, on special packages and, 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 run, and run go routes, you know, and, and basically stretch the field. And that's okay. You know, hell, the Raiders kept held on to J.J. Nelson and Ryan Grant, which I didn't agree on either one of those guys. And I, I could totally see him taking the place of J.J. Nelson. Absolutely, J.J. Nelson hasn't even been on the field yet. He he got an ankle injury in week two of the preseason. He hasn't even touched the field. He hasn't even smelled the field. So I could totally see him taking the, the place of J.J. Nelson. And look, his hands, in my opinion, are just as good, if not better, than J.J. Nelson's. J.J. Nelson is very inconsistent, in my opinion. I'm just not uh, sold on, on his ability whatsoever. I know he has speed. I remind He reminds me of James Jett, where he's just really, really fast. He's kind of short, and there's a good chance he's going to drop the ball, and then there's a chance that he might catch the ball. Well, uh, I think that Trevor will be better than that. I des- definitely think he'll be better than that. I think he'll have the opportunity to be, you know, a number four receiver, or whatever, a guy who stretches the field. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay, you know, because the Raiders have a Tyrell Williams to be their guy right now. They have a Darren Waller that they're going to go to a lot. They have a Hunter Renfro that's going to be a possession guy. I mean, they have guys that play different roles, and that's the thing about it. As long as you know what your role is and you excel at your role, that's all that a team is going to ask you to do. So he can go out there and be that guy. Uh, I think he has a role on this team. I think he has a place on this team. He just got to go out there and get it now. I 100% agree. Um, real quick before we go, um, Raider Nation, you know him. Uh, Hayden, not on, not only, Madonly. Um, I, I know I mispronounced his name. Hayden uh, covered the Raiders for the Silver and Black Report um, for a while. And Hayden uh, is from Australia. Um, big Raider fan has got he's 
got some sources in the building too. This is good reporters. Um, Hayden was uh, it goes back a few a couple months ago. Uh, he couldn't hold a small cup of water. Um, he couldn't feed himself. Couldn't roll over in bed. Couldn't get his arms above his chest. And he couldn't walk. Um, they thought he was going to be in the hospital for months, and um, he's been working hard and um, he's walking and he's back to tweeting now. And uh, Hayden's a good friend of mine, um, all the way down in Australia. And um, they don't make him like Hayden. And to be able to see him walking and tweeting and and whatnot again, um, it, it really it, it gets me emotional um, because it, ironically, but a couple weeks before this happened, um, full disclosure, Hayden and I were talking about partnering and um, um, doing some things with, with Franchise Sports Media um, since he left Silver and Black today. So um, I'm just glad and I'm wishing him well. And if you guys out there, if you believe in God, if you believe in Buddha, whatever you believe in, good vibes, positive energy, you'll send it his way. Send it down to Australia for Hayden. Um, again, he's a tremendous human being and uh, it really sucked when I got the news that he was in he was in this situation, and then now, you know, again, he's, he's starting. He's on his way to recovery. So um, let, let's send our love down to Hayden, down, uh, down, and, and maybe he'll put a shrimp on the barbie for us. <laughs> when he, uh, when he, isn't he dealing with uh, what that Gare Bondre Bondre syndrome or Barre gone? That damn, I don't, I don't yeah. Know. You don't say Gare. It's Gare. It's the same thing Travis Frederick, the center for the Cowboys, dealt with last year. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's scary, man. It, it's one of those scary things where it basically takes over your body and you have no control. That's why everything that you mentioned that, that he couldn't do uh, a while back. I remember when he kind of announced it on Twitter that he was going through it and, uh, yeah, he's always been a good dude. So it's good to see that he's doing a lot better now, but Gare bon, Bondro or damn it. I should know this. I, I can't pronounce it. I can't pronounce it. That's why I just said he's going through a condition. <laughs> right. I it's mean, Gary yeah. Bar syndrome. Damn it. I want to know what it, I want to know how to say it. I know I used to know how to say it because I talked about it every day with Travis Frederick, but I can't remember how to say it now. Well, let's I'm, we'll, we'll get it right from the next show, but let's just be glad that that Hayden's doing well now. And um, also, if you're in Vegas this weekend, uh, go watch Bishop Gorman play. A lot of people don't realize this. But Cliff Branch's nephews play for Bishop Gorman High School. And uh, they're a sophomore freshman. And they're some, they play like their uncle. The freshman, Zach Branch. Oh, my Lord. That boy plays just like his uncle. Fast, sticky hands, um, got moves on moves. They're a pleasure to watch. His brother is a defensive back in safety. And, man, um, so that's, that's a Friday night game out in Vegas. But anyway, Q, man, I appreciate you staying up and, and knocking this out. Again, we're getting back into it, Raider Nation. We got more coming. Um, and man, don't work too hard, Q. I know, I know you, you're 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 on hustle mode right now. Oh man, every single day it doesn't stop. You know, Friday night lights, Saturday uh, college football, Sunday professional football. I mean, it just it never stops. And so uh, I, I can't complain though, man. I'm living my best life, and uh, a lot of people. Uh, would probably die to do exactly what I'm doing every day. So as much work as it is, I, I really can't complain. Uh, talking Raiders, talking sports. I mean, man, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, living my best life. So I'll, I'll be all right. <laughs>
<laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I mean, I'm in the same boat, trust me. I don't, sleep is not something that I, I know too much of right now. So, uh, so for Q, I'm Joe Arrigo. Thank you, Raider Nation, for tuning in to Q&A on SB Nation Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. We'll talk to you soon.